0: Love from the hip. According to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, PTSD or post traumatic stress disorder can be caused by exposure to actual or threatened death or serious injury, recurrent, involuntary, and intrusive distressing memories of traumatic events, flashbacks, psychological distress at exposure to internal or external cues, angry outbursts, hypervigilance, and experience of feeling detached. PTSD can be triggered by combat, car crashes, assaults, natural disasters, and other traumatic experiences. The first documented example of PTSD in history is the story of Athenian Epizelus. Fifth century Greek historian Herodotus wrote that Athenian Epizelus, having suffered no blows or injuries during the battle at Marathon in 490 BC, became stricken with blindness. Epizelus was suffering from hysterical blindness, which is a rare symptom of PTSD. It can be said that he is the first figure in human history to walk away from a battle with mental injuries. Throughout history, we can recognize the condition that would become PTSD take on many names. It has been called nostalgia by Swiss physicians, homesickness by the French, and even estar roto by the Spanish, which, which translates to to be broken it wasn't until the wars got more intense that the labels also became more serious. In World War I, Captain Myers, after studying soldiers who suffered distress from the explosions, called it shell shock. And then during World War II, terms like combat neuroses and combat exhaustion later turned into battle fatigue. And it wasn't until 1980, with the record number of Vietnam soldiers returning with traumatic injuries, that PTSD finally became recognized by the American Psychiatric Association. PTSD can be short or long-term. Most of our soldiers and first responders suffer from long-term PTSD. The biggest reasons why could be because they are experiencing more trauma than most people and because they are not sharing their experiences in order to deal with them. Communalization of grief and trauma helps one to overcome it. But unfortunately for men, sharing or being vulnerable has always been seen as a stigma. In fact, many believe this to be the reason for the spike in PTSD cases after Vietnam, because men were suppressing their grief. In 1979, after his research in Northern Ireland, Irish psychologist H.A. Lyons concluded that people feel better psychologically if there is more involvement in their community or if people are actively engaged in a collective cause, which is a big reason why, while countries were in war, psychological health improved. He found that during the riots in Belfast, Psychiatric illnesses such as depression significantly decreased and the rates in suicides fell by 50%. Even in the months following the attacks of 9-11, New York City experienced a drop in suicide and its veterans noticed a significant improvement in their symptoms of PTSD. Unfortunately, trauma, including war and civil unrest, seemed to fill the void of a previous trauma or the depressive isolated state. In fact, people tend to be connected by a traumatic event because they all can commiserate and relate to one another. And it's that bond that traumatized people tend to miss. According to the PTSD Alliance, roughly 7.7 million people in the U.S. are currently suffering from PTSD. And one in 13 adults will develop PTSD. Today, early diagnosis of PTSD is now available through advanced technology like a MEG scan. There are a number of medications available to treat the symptoms of PTSD. And support groups are also in place for those suffering from PTSD. But what are some things we can do to mitigate it before it even becomes a diagnosis or condition? How can we help people to cope with the trauma before it becomes PTSD? What steps are we taking to help integrate people who are exposed to high levels of trauma back into an isolating modern-day society? How can we, as a society... Diminish the hidden wound or silent scream. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing podcast host of Hero Talk, author, certified stress management practitioner, and retired police officer, Roger Ruge, on my show. He will not only share his own personal journey with PTSD, but he will also offer techniques and mindful practices he has developed to help others overcome it. And later, we will open up the phone line so that if you or someone you love is suffering from trauma or PTSD, and would like some help, Roger can assist you. So stick around after
1: this quick break pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at Sakura mind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, mind.com
2: Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Welcome back to Love From The Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Left From The Hip, and that's H-Y-P. Today I have the pleasure of having podcast host of Hero Talk, author, certified stress management practitioner, and retired police officer Roger Ruge on my show. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Thanks, Akira, it's great to be here.
0: Yeah, and you're all the way in Colorado, right? What part?
3: I am in the mountains above Boulder at 8,500 feet. So uh, we are definitely got the Rocky Mountain High going legally up here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Funny. Well, so how long were you a police officer?
3: I did uh, 20 years in service.
0: And where was that at?
3: In Santa Rosa, California, which is in Northern California. Uh, A lot of people will probably remember that city for uh, the fires that they experienced a couple of years ago that uh, were pretty devastating.
0: Yeah, that was pretty devastating. So can you share with my listeners what happened in 1995 while you were on the force?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I remember that day so clearly, and, and it's been a very interesting journey from that point on. But in 1995, I was just about to get off of a shift. I'd been working for 10 hours, and we got a call of a major injury traffic collision that had taken place, and they needed a bunch of people to go. I happened to be relatively close to that event, and I was one of the first people to arrive. And when I got there... I had looked at the scene, and I'd never in my career experienced anything of this magnitude. There were eight vehicles involved. Over 15 people were in various states of injury. Uh, Three people were deceased at the scene. Mm -hmm. And when I first looked at it, I thought, my goodness, this must have been like a small plane trying to land on the roadway because I just couldn't put together how this much... Uh, carnage could have taken place, so I was in a state of confusion, and that's it's a key point I want everyone to remember. Um, I was beginning to feel overwhelmed. Hmm. Looking at the entire scene, I put a broadcast out to have all emergency responders in the entire county come. Oh wow! So. We had some pretty vast resources, but I knew right there we needed at least five to six ambulances. We needed every fire truck, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. So we put that call out and then I began to look at the scene a little more carefully to see where would I be needed most. Uh, You have to leave people who are hurt to go to people who are more hurt. It's a form of triage and that in and of itself is a really hard thing to do, but you just have to do it. And I saw a car that looked uh, really bad. And I decided to go to that car first. Now, I don't want to get too graphic for your audience. Yes, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was, let me just say that it was a horrific scene in the car. Yeah. And when I looked in the car in the back seat, there were a few children back there. And two of the children were deceased. Uh. When I looked in, however, this is where The chemicals that I was pumping into my body, the cortisol, the adrenaline, began to play a trick on my mind. And the trick that it played on me was I saw my two daughters in the backseat of this car. Oh, gosh. Now, the challenge there, of course, was I am in the middle of this emergency. I'm looking at two children who are gone, and I'm seeing my daughters in their place. Right. There was some little thread of me that said that can't be possible. They're at home. They wouldn't be out at this point. But you can you can kind of see where the conflict began to create itself in my mind. It began to imprint quite deeply. Mm -hmm. At that point, I almost completely lost it, shook my head violently side to side to kind of clear that. And then I looked back in the car and realized, okay. Those aren't my daughters. Let's go to work. Mm -hmm. And then we began to triage that scene and get the help that we needed. But what was important for people to understand in terms of post-traumatic stress, I had become overwhelmed. I had a huge dump of chemicals coming through my body and I saw something that wasn't there. So I had a perceptual distortion, which is common in overwhelming events but it imprints in the psychology, in the mind, very deeply, and that was the essence of my beginning through post-traumatic stress.
0: Wow! And you had to just turn it off to go back to work. So is that I had something?
3: Often, and, and I'd already done ten, a ten-hour shift, and oh. I was there for another uh, almost eighteen hours.
0: Jeez. Okay. Uh, is that something that's very common with other police officers?
3: In terms of this kind of uh, experience? Yeah, well,
0: just hallucinating in the fact that it it's their family that's in the accident. Have you heard of other officers experiencing that?
3: I definitely have. And I've even heard of officers who were, in fact, responding to the crash that their family was in yeah. actually were there.
0: Yeah. And
3: I, I often wonder about that, you know, were those stories in my consciousness when I went to that scene hmm. in some you know, subconscious way, but... Yeah, it's, it's not that outrageously uncommon. I, I had a uh, friend of mine who was with our sheriff's department, and he had gotten back from Vietnam and was driving in a very rural area of the county, and he had a flashback to a combat experience in Vietnam, and he got on the radio and was radioing his dispatcher that there were Viet Cong moving through the forest in the hills of Mendocino County. Oh,
0: my gosh, wow.
3: So, you yeah. know... It, Although that's a bit rare, uh, there are more subtle forms of it. I, I have come over the last twenty years of really researching this and diving, you know, fairly deep into it. I've come to believe that virtually everyone who's in some form of emergency services has some level of PTS. Right. And I, I avoid the D. I don't say D anymore because. You know, a disorder is something that we have to manage. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it in a new term that's been kind of floated out there as post-traumatic stress injury, Mm -hmm. PTSI. Okay. uh, Because I do believe we can fully recover from post-traumatic stress with the right protocols.
0: Okay. Well, I hate to interrupt you, Roger, but we are going to have to take a quick break. But remember, if you or a loved one would like Roger's help moving through a trauma, feel free to call one 298 kknw or 425-373-5527 after this quick break.
2: One word that can mean so much, especially when it comes to working with a realtor to buy or sell a home. The only thing better would be to have an experienced team guiding you through the process.
1: Hi, I'm Beth Phillips-York.
2: And I'm Ray York.
1: Together, we own the York Team, part of Keller Williams Real Estate. We are here to help you with your next property transaction. I have over 14 years of experience selling local residential real estate, investment properties, and homes just like yours. I'm also known as the ghost broker. Over the years, I've managed several residual energies at the properties we've represented or sold to clients. So if you need that service, I can help you as well.
2: For my part, I have worked many years in new construction, land development, and with builders. Combined, Beth and I make for a powerful team on your side. So put our wealth of experience to work for you. Selling a home? Get a free property evaluation and market analysis with the York Team Real Estate. Buying a home? Let the York Team Real Estate exclusively represent you and your interests. Log on to YorkTeamRealEstate.com. That's YorkTeamRealEstate.com hypnotherapy
1: helps you discover and explore deep sustainable life changes let sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind rid yourself of negative behaviors fears pains and emotions weight loss smoking childhood drama chronic pain and much more can be addressed begin healing now just 100 for the first session learn more sakura skinandmind.com. s-a-k-u-r-a skin and mind.
2: Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. If you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project, you want the team of Stone Resources on your side. Safely, effectively, and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425-754-6792. That's 425-754-6792. Stone Resources. We make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us. 425-754-6792. Organic, free-range, and fresh daily. Alternative Talk, 1150.
0: Welcome back to Left from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Don't forget this show airs right here on KKNW every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Today I have the pleasure of having podcast host of Hero Talk, author, certified stress management practitioner, and retired police officer Roger Ruge on my show, and remember, if you or a loved one is struggling to overcome a trauma and would like some free advice from Roger, feel free to call 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. So, Roger, before the break, you were sharing your story about when you first kind of really in touch with PTSD through the fatal car accident. So what happened after witnessing that accident?
3: Yeah, the, the ensuing five years that... Uh After that, between 1995 and 2000, I began to create a behavioral shift. And what's really interesting about post-traumatic stress and these behavioral shifts is they don't come on in the snap of a finger. They evolve over time, and they evolve so slowly that the loved ones around you are noticing the changes but aren't necessarily putting together that it was related to that event because it can evolve over such a long period of time. Mm. So for me, what I began to do, and I didn't understand why I was doing it until later, I began to rush into danger and I began to violate department policies on waiting for backup. And, you know, I would just just go in blazing into the glory as it were what i came to find out later was through you know some therapy that i did and realizations that i had was that i was trying to kill myself Mm. and commit suicide in the hero's way but what was really fascinating about that journey is i kept doing these risky behaviors which frankly i should have been talked to i should have been disciplined for some of the things i did because they were outside of clear-cut policies on how to go through certain events And yet they kept working out. I kept winning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, I kept getting pats on the back, uh, formal department commendations. And I was evolving into that kind of street hero cop and getting accolades from my brothers and sisters when, in fact, I was actually in a downward spiral of post-traumatic stress.
0: You were trying to kill yourself
3: no doubt about it.
0: Yeah. So you had mentioned that um, it's hard to notice for your loved ones because it can evolve over a period of time. Do you think it's also can be a collection of different traumas that build?
3: Beyond a doubt, Uh, you know, and we can get a little bit into the modality of therapy that I did, which was actually very fringe and cutting edge at that time.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, But one of the things that that therapy brought up, was a whole number of other critical incidents I'd been through that I had just stuffed down inside of me and had literally forgotten about. However, on a subconscious level, they were in there doing their thing. And your comment is spot on because my therapist said, look, this is accumulation of multiple events mm-hmm. that has led to this point.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to get into the therapy that you used to overcome it, but you had touched on how you weren't getting reprimanded. So is this pretty typical, too? Do you see this with other police officers that there's kind of a spike where they become this hero all of a sudden based on this trauma?
3: It's one manifestation of it. What you really want to look for, if you suspect that someone you know is experiencing symptoms or something you know related to post-traumatic stress, I think it's very important to just notice what behavioral changes begin to take place. It could be something as subtle as the person just isn't sleeping well. Mm-hmm. And now they're in a chronic sleep deprived state. Um, they used to be really joyful and happy. And now they're not so much. Okay. And as my friend, Dr. Kevin Gill Martin, who wrote a great book called emotional survival for law enforcement said, they begin to practice or experience the I syndrome. And the I to syndrome is yeah i used to go to church i used to exercise i i used to not drink as much Hmm. and it's the i used to idea where we begin to see these behavioral shifts of patterns of behavior that we used to be able to predict are no longer there and new patterns are emerging that's pretty much a red flag where we should really begin paying attention to what might be going on
1: okay
0: yeah and i have read too that ptsd usually is common among people that have addictions or that end up developing addictions because of PTSD?
3: Without a doubt, because, you know, one of the ways that we dull the experience, which is incredibly visceral, and if you've never experienced it, it just, it's really hard to comprehend just how dramatically affecting it is on the body, mind and spirit. And so it's a natural to begin to self-medicate, to just take the edge off.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So how did you finally overcome your PTSD?
3: I was in a deposition for that accident, and there were 18 attorneys in that deposition representing multiple clients, and everybody was really curious to hear my testimony in the deposition. This is literally five years later. And they put a stack of photographs down on the table. And they asked me to look at each of the photographs and make comments about the scene. And of course, wouldn't you know that the very first photograph I see is that car. Yeah. Well, what that did to me was I literally flashed back to the scene. So for people who are not familiar with what a flashback is, I was no longer in the office with the 18 attorneys. I was back at the scene as if it were real in that moment.
0: Mm. So imagine
3: the mental confusion you experience when you have that happen. I'm there with the sounds, the smells, the screaming people, the carnage, the visual cues, all of it is is incredibly real. And then when I came back to the room, I honestly, to this day, have no idea how much time transpired, but I was crying. Mm. And I have now 18 attorneys and a judge looking at me like, what in the world is going on with this guy, I just pushed my chair back and walked out. Wow. And I knew at that point that I needed help. Uh, So at that point in time, I took a risk, and it was a risk at that time especially in getting a hold of our employee assistance program and beginning to see a police psychologist.
0: Okay. And what form of modality did they use?
3: Well, we did talk therapy initially. And this is where the real challenge came in. Uh, You were able to go anonymously for six sessions. Okay, that's good. But the talk therapy was not getting where this 30-year police psychologist wanted to go. And they said, listen, your PTSD is so severe. We need to notify your department for permission to do a new therapy. It's radical. It's cutting edge. We don't even know how it works, but it is working. There's only six practitioners in the United States at that time, which was 2000. And uh, one of them's right here in our city, and I'd like to refer you to it. And so I ended up going to a form of therapy called EMDR.
0: Mm -hmm. And can you explain that a little bit for my listeners?
3: Yeah, it it stands for, I believe it stands for eye movement desensitization response, which is pretty fancy, Mm -hmm. but super simple. So the psychologist is in the room with you. And in my particular case, they had a a light bar in front of me that had amber lights on it that moved from left to right. And as you looked at the light bar, you tracked it with your eyes. So you keep your head still, you follow the lights left and right, left and right. And it takes you to the extremes of your ability to move your eyes left and right. And while doing that, the psychologist is guiding you through the trauma that you experienced and all these strange feelings in the body, emotions, story, things just kind of come out. Mm. It's, It's really amazing. And by the time I was done with that, I only went to, I think, a total of four sessions and all these other events came out beyond the first, you know, event that we were talking about, that triple fatal accident, right. all these other events came out where people had died in my arms. For whatever reason, I was that cop who was the first guy on the scene at all these major crashes. Hmm. And I would have people die in my arms frequently. And, you know, I didn't really think much about it, but it all started coming out. And by the end of the fourth session, I remember leaving the office and I, I was free. I was free of the the bondage that that was keeping me in. I felt light, happy, joyful. And here's the interesting part. I can remember all the events with perfect clarity, but I have no emotional charge around them anymore. Mm. It's just a story. Okay. Very. Interesting.
0: Okay. So, I'm a little bit familiar with EMDR just because I'm a hypnotherapist, and I feel there's kind of a sense of retraining the brain that was happening for you. Um and I've heard that I know you said PTSD as you call it PTSI. Um, and I also have heard that it's not really a disorder. it's more of a reorder of the brain. So did you I feel love like, that. yeah, did you feel like yeah, that I was happening that. for you?
3: Like a hundred percent. yeah, uh, I, I completely agree. And, and what we were doing is, in my opinion, we were breaking the neural pathways in the brain that were related to the trauma mm-hmm. We were rewiring new neural pathways that were empowering, that were giving me control over those scenarios, right. taking away that charge. So, yes, I completely agree that it was a reordering of those neural pathways.
0: Yeah. And that's also affecting then your hormones, right? The cortisol, the adrenals. Um, and that's less of the, I would imagine, less of the flight or freeze and more maybe more of the fight response which is why you tended to show up on those accidents first after the fact
3: you bet and you know the the other part of that was imagine that you've got this low to moderate to extreme chemical dump happening all the time because you're in this fight or flight response pretty much 24 7 Mm -hmm. and then Imagine turning that off and how restorative that is to the body, mind, and spirit.
0: Oh, yeah. How much energy you were focused on that. Yeah, for sure. So you had mentioned that um, talk therapy was anonymous for six sessions, but then after that, because you needed more than that, um, it was no longer anonymous. Um, Isn't that against HIPAA, (laughs) for one thing?
3: Uh, HIPAA didn't even exist then. and. You know, it was just our department's policy at that particular time as part of the employee assistance program. And the real the real challenge there was when I was presented with that, I was presented with going further and getting some help in an experimental therapy or not doing it. Right. And if I went ahead to do it, it was career suicide. in and- my department at that time because you'd be outed that you were having a problem Mm -hmm. and in a culture that is a warrior culture you're now under suspicion that maybe you're not going to be there when you need to be there and that kind of thing so right you i knew that i was in trouble and and at that point i honestly didn't care i had my wife i had my two daughters i did not want to fail them and it didn't matter to me anymore if it cost me my career
0: Mm, okay wow well, I want to touch back on that after the break. But remember, if you or a loved one would like Roger's help moving through a trauma, feel free to call 1 888 298 KKNW or 425 373 5527 after this quick break. On this weekly skinny, I would like to talk about Guasa. What exactly is it? Guasa, which translates to scrape wind also called scraping, coining, or spooning, is an alternative therapy which addresses stagnant energy or qi. The treatment involves a massage tool that is gently run over the skin in sequenced movements. This tool is typically made out of jade, rose quartz, or bean stone, and is very smooth with no sharp edges. This ancient Chinese healing technique is commonly used on the whole body, but in a more aggressive manner than the face, it was originally used in ancient practices to rid of illness. However, it was later discovered to have cosmetic benefits when done on the face and neck as well. These cosmetic benefits include stimulating the dermis to support collagen and elastin production, as exponentially increasing circulation, aiding in lymph drainage, therefore reducing puffiness, and ultimately assisting in faster skin cell turnover and proper skin cell function. Gua Sa can also alleviate headaches by helping unlock aching jaws and releasing tension in the brow area. Overall, results achieved with guasa are a healthier, brighter, and more radiant complexion. Gua sha can be safely added on to any facial and should be painless. If you are interested in trying guasa in your next facial, feel free to email me at Sakura at SakuraSkinandmind.com or call 206-730-7429.
2: Men, care for your skin properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers their Gentleman's Groom Clinical Facial for just $120. Designed for your rugged skin, a deep cleansing clinical facial is like a one-two-three 3 punch to wrinkles, age spots, and problem skin. Tame those brows, ears, and nostrils. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. Coming up March 25th on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Seattle author Elise Hooper joins us with a peek into the life of photographer Dorothea Lange, the woman who captured the real America. We'll also hear from international bestselling author Steve Barry, who always reveals little known facts about history and thrillers. Tune in Monday at noon Pacific time, Fridays at 6 a.m. Catch up on more than 600 podcasts at ConversationsLive.net.
3: On the path to good health and well-being? Alternative Talk 1150 is the
2: station for you.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And feel free to email me at sakura at lovefromthehip.com with your comments, your criticisms, your questions, and your well wishes. Let me know how I'm doing. Today, I have the pleasure of having podcast host of Hero Talk, author, certified stress management practitioner, and retired police officer Roger Ruge on my show. And remember if you or a loved one is struggling to overcome a trauma and you'd like some free advice from Roger then feel free to call 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. So Roger before the break you were you were telling us how you basically had to risk your career in order to ask for help.
3: Yeah, exactly. It was uh, it was the way it was at that time and you know even even in the ensuing years that we've had more awareness around these types of things. I haven't really seen the traditional systems altered much.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I can uh, attest to that too, just having been a part of the Seattle firefighter uh, you know department for a while, um having family and friends in it, um that it's still the case that once you ask for help, you know you you have all these labels of being crazy and and now everybody knows. so.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a systemic problem, and, you know, there are ways to fix it, but the, the only way to really do it is to create a literal cultural paradigm shift. And I have some ideas around that, but, you know, the resistance to changing anything uh, in traditional systems like law enforcement, fire services, paramedic EMT, there's just a lot of resistance to bringing something on That is considered still, well, we've got our bases covered. Mm -hmm. But I I just have to push back against that because if we've got our bases covered, then why do we have more police officers today taking their own lives than are dying in the line of duty? Right. You know, it, it just isn't adding up.
0: Yeah. No. And it seems ironic, right? And counterintuitive. Like, wouldn't you be a better officer or better firefighter if you were getting therapy? 100%.
3: 100%. Look at it this way. What if in a academy, whether it's a fire academy or a police academy, what if we began mindfulness and resilience training there? Mm. And then when you moved into your department, it was part of the culture right. where we had built in training and practices centered around mindfulness and resiliency? What if it just became a cultural paradigm? Right. And you could literally do it right now. This is not something that is difficult to weave into existing programs. There just has to be a strong desire to do it.
0: And didn't you say to earlier to me, you said the special forces have actually already implemented transcendental meditation?
3: Yeah, several branches of special forces are doing it here in the United States. It's been standard practice in Russia and China for decades, Mm -hmm. and we're just kind of catching up to it. But I have some friends that are currently deployed uh, in special forces, and they said something very interesting to me that I think is an important piece for what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. They said that the special forces guys are experiencing much less rates of PTS because of the mindfulness and resiliency practices that are now a standard part of their training.
0: Hmm. What they
3: told me was the the soldiers that are breaking are the guys who just go through boot camp and are put out into the field and are suddenly in combat, and they have not had those resiliency practices. He said those are the people that are breaking. Hmm. and So we see a real-world example of how just implementing something that simple has made such a profound shift.
0: Yeah, the statistics are there. Yeah, and they're not lying. Okay, so I want to touch on what happened to you when you were thirty three. Your spiritual awakening then.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> journey. So I was practicing martial arts, and my teacher was this little skinny, one hundred and thirty pound hippie who was so gentle uh, and a very very skillful martial artist. And I I did this to begin to enhance my warrior skills for the street. Mm-hmm. And I was training there for several years. And we had a man come in who was a guard at uh, San Quentin prison. And San Quentin prison is a maximum security prison. So, you know, it's a pretty tough job out there. And this guy was huge, 250 pounds of solid muscle, I suspected from his anger issues, he was probably doing steroids. And uh, Uh, So just picture a bodybuilder who weighed 120 pounds more than my teacher. Mm -hmm. And one day he got very angry at my teacher and accused him of not being worth his salt as a teacher, uh, that the art was no good. And my teacher said something very interesting to him. He said, well, you know, you might be right about that because I've never actually been in a fight. I've been studying this art for 25 years and teaching for the last 15, but I I don't get in fights. I don't go to places where that happens. Mm -hmm. And so this guy continues to badger my teacher. And then he says to my teacher says to him, well, why don't you attack me and let's see how it goes? And, you know, here I am, a working police officer at the time. I'm looking at this (laughs) weight difference. I'm getting very nervous. (laughs) And uh, the, the bottom line is the fight goes down. And this guy attacks with everything he's got. And after about 90 seconds, where during that time, my teacher only blocked the blows that were coming in. He never threw a punch, even though he had many opportunities to do so. The man exhausted himself and collapsed onto the ground hmm. and when he collapsed onto the ground and couldn't get up. This is what literally changed the direction of my life. I watched my teacher go over and with deep humility and love, help him up, dust him off and thank him, truly thank him for attacking with his full warrior spirit so that he validated that the art in fact worked and that my teacher was capable of using it in a fight. And, uh, you know, the the poor man, his ego was so badly bruised, <laughs> he left and never came back. I but, was going to say. <laughs> yeah, you know, And that was certainly not my teacher's intention, but I spent a sleepless night wondering how my teacher in the face of such violence and aggression could hold the energy of love. I I really didn't understand that, and I really wanted to because I realized that that was the next evolution in my law enforcement career, Mm -hmm. was to move that officer who comes with compassion and love, but can also use force when necessary. And he turned me on to an organization that he had learned meditation from. And that was an organization called the Self-Realization Fellowship. Mm -hmm. And they offered uh, meditation lessons. So I signed up and I spent the next 15 years studying with their monks the deeper aspects of the self.
0: Wow. And how did that change your role as a police officer?
3: I began to evolve into that loving, compassionate officer. Uh, I began to take better care of myself, body, mind, and spirit. I began to meditate daily. And Mm -hmm. I started with just little five to 10 minute meditations. And, you know, on some days it evolved into six hours because it's just so blissful once you get a taste of it. And it's like any skill you can enhance and practice it all you want and take it as deep as you want. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. So I, I became a better man and I became a better officer and then I started to realize, my goodness, if I could begin to share some of what I've learned with my brothers and sisters in service, I could help them evolve into more peaceful beings and, you know, absolutely mitigate the impacts of post-traumatic stress.
0: Hmm. Wow. Well, I want to get back into that as well, but we're going to have to take a quick break. So everyone stick around for more Love from the
2: Hips. Experience. One word that can mean so much, especially when it comes to working with a realtor to buy or sell a home. The only thing better would be to have an experienced team guiding you through the process.
1: Hi, I'm Beth Phillips York.
2: And I'm Ray York.
1: Together, we own the York team, part of Keller Williams Real Estate. We are here to help you with your next property transaction. I have over 14 years of experience selling local residential real estate, investment properties, and homes just like yours. I'm also known as the Ghost Broker. Over the years, I've made several residual energies at the properties we've represented or sold to clients. So if you need that service, I can help you as well.
2: For my part, I have worked many years in new construction, land development, and with builders. Combined, Beth and I make for a powerful team on your side. So put our wealth of experience to work for you. Selling a home? Get a free property evaluation and market analysis with the York Team Real Estate. Buying a home? Let the York Team Real Estate exclusively represent you and your interests. Log on to YorkTeamRealEstate.com. That's YorkTeamRealEstate.com. Of treatment and a pound of protection. Call 206 730 7429 or go to sakura skin if you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project, you'll want the team of Stone Resources on your side. Safely, effectively, and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425 425- 754 6792. That's 425 754 6792. Stone Resources. We make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us. 425 754 6792.
3: Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Love from the Hip, and that's HYP. Today, I have the pleasure of having podcast host of Hero Talk, author, certified stress management practitioner, and retired police officer, Roger Ruge, on my show. So, Roger, before the break, you were telling us about some spiritual teachings. So where has that brought you to today?
3: Uh, it's been such an incredible journey. I, I, I've been really fortunate. I got very curious after my experience with EMDR to begin to research alternative therapies since I knew that existing structures could only go so far. So I began studying with monks, Native American shamans, Russian special forces, uh, anybody I could get my hands on to discover the deeper aspects of the body, mind, and spirit and you know it really kept circling and back around to two key foundations which was breathwork and meditation mm-hmm. and just different modalities of that to begin to do that so you know i i really had a, an incredible good, good fortune of training with a native american shaman named running bear running bear was also a warrior he was in vietnam mm-hmm. so he understood the hero's journey right and through him i began to learn Deeper practices of healing using uh, your hands, for example, or using your own mind. And I know for a lot of listeners, they're thinking, oh boy, here we go down the rabbit hole of woo woo. But (laughs) not uh, my listeners, Roger. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The truth of it is, we've really begun to marry science and these practices together. We're beginning to understand biochemically what's actually happening in the body so you know we've got guys like Dr. Joe Dispenza and Greg Braden and Bruce Mm -hmm. Lipton and what they're showing us is yeah this is not some esoteric practice these are absolutely founded in science and they work because of the rewiring of the neural pathways in the brain which affects every part of the physiology right so I began to take this into law enforcement classes and I have literally taught thousands of officers, firefighters, paramedics, and military personnel, even emergency room staff around the country in mindfulness and resiliency practices that are outside of the traditional systems. And mm-hmm. you know that's, that's the point. I, I consider myself a person who has closed a gap. So yes, you've got your traditional system. That is unlikely to change. But there are so many other things we can learn out there, so many other things we can try and experiment with. And since I've walked the hero's journey and I have this knowledge, I'm also a law enforcement master instructor. So I build and design training to reach other people, to expose them to like a menu at a restaurant different things. And when one resonates with them, they can play with it, try it right. and see how it works out for them. That's perfect. I realized though, that getting in the classroom is great, but I'm still, you know, it's like a band-aid on a machine gun wound. I'm not reaching the numbers that I wanted to reach. And that's why I've just launched a podcast so that I could allow people to come to that and gain information that they normally wouldn't be able to gain. Mm-hmm. But Genius part, they can do it in privacy without outing themselves, without risking anyone else knowing, and they can gain information. So that's the direction of my life now.
0: That's beautiful. And again, for our listeners, the podcast is called?
3: The podcast is called Hero Talk. And it's on various podcast formats. Um, I'm being reviewed by iTunes because I just literally set up that account and they take about two weeks. Mm-hmm. But you can get it at Herotalk.Libsyn.com. Okay. And the first two episodes are there and I'm going to keep rolling from there.
0: That's wonderful. Well, that's really terrific that you're doing all of that. And so can I ask you a few things about PTS? See, I'm not even going to, I'm leaving out the D. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning. Um, So do you think it can be cured?
3: Yes, I'm a living example of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have completely overcome my PTS, uh, no doubt about it. And that's why I like to call it an injury. And, you know, in my particular case, it was an incredible gift because without those experiences, I would not be who I am today, able to help as many people are willing to reach out and want to get help, I'm there for them now. And so that's the gift. And so I also like to call it post-traumatic stress growth. Hmm. Uh, Because I believe that when we're experiencing a life challenge, we're also been given an opportunity. And that opportunity is to evolve and grow into deeper aspects of ourselves.
0: Okay. So do you also feel then that it can be prevented?
3: There is no doubt in my mind that we can prevent it, and we actually have uh, in the field tested proof of that with the special forces operators I was talking about who are going through incredible trauma, but they have been inoculated to the stress. So the key to it is if you can gain enough training and enough mindfulness and resiliency practices, you will not be overwhelmed during a critical incident. And it's that being overwhelmed piece that imprints the post-traumatic stress. So if we can train ourselves to the point of being inoculated to feeling overwhelmed in a crisis situation, it's not going to imprint. You're Mm -hmm. not going to have that problem.
0: Okay. And so I'd also like to ask you, what are some tips you may have to share for people who are living with someone who is suffering from PTSD?
3: Yeah, this is this is a very very difficult thing for the loved ones because you typically when you approach someone, hey, I'm concerned about this, you're you're going to get a lot of pushback on that. Has been my experience, mm-hmm. and so you know, I invite anyone who might be struggling in that way to reach out to me, and we can take some time to go over some ideas that may fit their individual scenario best. Uh, at the very very least, I recommend that that loved one begin to think about doing therapy for themselves Mm -hmm. so that they can understand how to best support and relate to someone who's experiencing post-traumatic stress. It is complex and you want to walk this path very carefully because if you push too far one way or the other, it could set up a number of negative scenarios as well. So, you know, it, it, getting some help is the very first thing I tell those folks. They, they just have to get some outreach and get some information so that they, they can move forward. If you happen to have a loved one in law enforcement or fire services, I do recommend Dr. Kevin Gilmartin's book, uh, which is Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement. I think it's one of the most seminal works that's been created around this, and it'll give you a good window into what that loved one is going through.
0: Wow, that's wonderful. And are there any like immediate signs where one should seek more urgent care or medical assistance for their loved one?
3: Yeah, I mean, if you see a dramatic behavioral shift where they're suddenly not sleeping and if they're talking about, I don't know if I want to be around anymore, uh, putting their fingers up to their head as if it's a gun and pulling the trigger saying things like, you know, yeah, I should probably just kill myself, you know, anything that indicates a suicidal ideation is time for an intervention. Those are not uh, bluffs. That's the subconscious mind coming out and making a statement. And it's really time to wake up at that point. Uh, I'm seeking professional intervention.
0: Okay. So how can my listeners follow you or learn more about your podcast?
3: Yeah, well, they can uh, go to hero uh, i'm in the process of building a website but that takes you to my linkedin profile you can also join us on our facebook page which is facebook uh, and then forward slash hero dot org
0: all right well thanks again roger for being here today i appreciate all of your help with what you're doing i think it's remarkable
3: thank you so much it was an honor to be here
0: and thank you eric my super producer and thank you to the listener and you can find me at lovefromthehip.com or sakuraskinandmind.com. You can also follow me on Instagram or on Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel as well as my podcast on Podcast One, Love From The Hip, and that's H-Y-P. And if you really love the show and are interested in advertising your business here or have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at sakura at lovefromthehip.com. Tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. for another Love From The Hip and make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare you.
3: Peach buzz is great What a concept. Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best, and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had.